This is episode 66 of the Angry Tech News Podcast for Tuesday, June 27th of 2023. This is the Angry Tech News Podcast at angrytechnews.com. Now your host, the angry programmer with a mic, Brian Bemrose. Welcome, welcome, trolls and news connoisseurs alike. Everybody who's listening in the troll room, everybody who's listening in your electric car, here's hoping you make it home without dying on the side of the road. After listening to this episode, some of you might be inclined, looking at how long my notes file is, some of you might be inclined to complain that this episode is too short and that you need more news than I'm bringing you. Uh, This episode has plenty of great news stories and no shortage of rant and opinion, but may hypothetically not be up to your standards of length. To you hypothetical whiny bitches, I could point out that this is in fact the second show in three days. If for some reason you missed it in your podcast feed, I did an extra angry tech news on this past Saturday filled with the same kind of news and rant that you've come to expect just on a different day. Could say that's the reason today might be enough, not be enough for you. I mean, it's not, I mean, not the reason, uh, I mean, Maybe it's not even shorter. I haven't recorded it yet, so I don't know the length. I could actually draw this out a lot and, you know, try to get you through the that. Le- hey, look out for that dude in the left lane. Stop changing lanes without a blinker, you jerk. Anyway, uh, the real reason might just be I got busy yesterday and didn't research as many stories, but I could say that there was the other reason and you'd believe it because, hey, did I mention you got an extra show on Saturday? From the Government Interference as a Service Department, Microsoft and the uh, Sony, I mean the FTC, went into court the other day regarding the Activision and Blizzard acquisition. Uh, To recap, in case you were wondering what's going on with this one, Microsoft is trying to purchase Activision Blizzard, the makers of hugely popular game series such as Call of Duty, Diablo, and Warcraft. The United States Federal Trade Commission, FTC, is suing Microsoft in a D.C. federal court seeking an injunction to block the purchase on the grounds that it will harm competition. The FTC is pretty obviously being spurred on and coached by Sony in this case. Uh, The central issue is whether Microsoft owning the game, another game studio, would result in those popular games becoming Xbox exclusive. Sony is wielding every tool they own to prevent that, including, it would seem, a government bureaucracy. Just... For reference, uh, and I covered this on a previous ATN, last month the UK Competition and Markets Authority already moved to block, but given that uh, neither none of these are uh, UK companies, it's wishy-washy whether or not that can block it, but they are both American companies, and, uh, well, uh, Microsoft and Activision Blizzard are American companies, Sony, we're not so sure, but the UK CMA already moved to block uh, doing Sony's bidding in Europe as well. Anyway, the primary source of testimony uh, came from uh, Jim Ryan, the director for PlayStation and Phil Spencer, the director for Xbox. Most of the attention went to Call of Duty, including some back and forth where Sony accused Microsoft of refusing to optimize Call of Duty for PlayStation 5 and then Microsoft pointing out that they can't because Sony won't provide any proper dev kits. Uh, One bombshell, Phil Spencer was asked whether or not uh, this... Actually, not just bombshell. This is actually the reason I brought the whole story. Uh, 
Phil Spencer was asked about whether or not Elder Scroll six, which is also owned by, uh, or, uh, which is owned by Bethesda, uh, that Microsoft purchased a few, what last year, um, on the topic of exclusivity, Phil Spencer was asked whether Elder Scrolls six will be exclusive and, uh, you know, trying to establish a pattern. And he responded with that game is at least five years away. It's too early to talk about what platforms it will be on, which what you're hearing right now is the sound of fans of Elder Scrolls everywhere crapping themselves because if that's correct, that puts Elder Scrolls six in 2028, which is by the way, for anyone make doing the math 17 years after Skyrim Elder Scrolls five, that's not a great record for how quickly you're putting out games. But anyway, uh, Elder Scrolls as a series might just be dead. Okay. The, the whole thing, we don't have a, we don't have a verdict. We don't, the court has not ruled. There was just uh, a lot of testimony in each direction. Basically the chiefs of the two platforms sniping at each other. Uh, Sony's big issue with this is they do not want Microsoft buying game platforms because they argue that Microsoft will make the platforms exclusive. Microsoft says, no, no, uh, we, you know, double pinky swear that we will not make them exclusive. Uh, there were some details about um, Microsoft even saying, well, if you'd stop trying to prevent our uh, acquisition, we'll guarantee that Call of Duty will be non-exclusive and cross-platform for at least a period of time, the next 10 years or whatever, which 10 years, if you're counting, is like 30 Call of Duty games. PlayStation has got to make their money out of that. I kind of understand where Sony's coming from in a way. Exclusivity is a plague on the gaming industry and pretty much every content industry, if we're being fair, Movies, TV, music, uh, speech, documentation kept in a Discord walled garden. Still a little sore about that one. And for this, I do sympathize with Sony's position at least a little bit. I'd have a lot more sympathy if so, or for Sony if I didn't know for damn sure that if the roles were reversed, they'd be making titles PlayStation exclusive. For example, why can't I play The Last of Us on Xbox or Uncharted or... I'm just thinking Sony has a little bit trouble throwing stones when they live in the glass house of exclusivity as well. Sony people like to frame this entire story of Microsoft buying this as some kind of David versus Goliath is Microsoft is the big bad monopoly. And it's true that Microsoft as a whole is a lot bigger than Sony, but not by all that much. The gaming part of Microsoft is actually quite a bit smaller than Sony's gaming and Xbox has pretty much been in third place in the console area for 20 years. Um, not that this provokes any sympathy for Microsoft either. They're both huge corporations and would stomp a lonely, cons lowly consumer like you or I, if it netted them some profit, but that hardly makes Xbox a monopoly, at least no more than every single copyright and intellectual property creates a monopoly on that content, which is kind of at issue here because the only reason why exclusivity can even be a thing is because copyright on a particular thing produces a monopoly. And therefore it is not legal for another platform to sell a particular piece of content. Once the monopoly holder of that content has decided, Oh, I'm only going to go to this con, you know, to this platform. And there are certainly economic decisions, but again, I totally blame the fact that copyright allows somebody who created content to, pretty much restrict what anybody else can do forever. And that is, I, I don't think right. 
definitely fighting an uphill battle on that. I, there's a lot of people who genuinely think that copyright is a good thing. So, uh, okay, I'll stop ranting on that one. Anyway, Sony Corporation does have a duty to maximize its revenues in the gaming space. Uh, it would be financially irresponsible for Sony not to use whatever means they have, including using lobbyists to abuse state bureaucracy, but that doesn't make it ethical or right. If the district court grants the FTC's injunction in this particular case, then the deal will be on hold in the U.S., waiting for the full antitrust hearing scheduled for August 2nd. The problem with that is that the original terms of purchase required the purchase to be completed by July 18th, meaning that this injunction, if granted, if they just grant the preliminary injunction, regardless of what the antitrust board actually says, if the antitrust board decides Microsoft is a total monopoly and shouldn't do it, or if the antitrust board says Microsoft is a bit player and can't affect the market one way or another, regardless of that, if this injunction is granted, it prevents Microsoft from making good on its original contract, which could effectively kill the Microsoft plus Activision deal for good. And you can be sure that Sony knows this, which is one of the main reasons Sony and its, its pet government agency are seeking the injunction. Ultimately, I have to question what the FTC expects to get out of blocking this deal. Uh, Activision Blizzard is, as an independent company, has been stagnating on the stock market. Stockholders and employees alike have lost confidence in their management, owing in no small part to a couple of very high-profile scandals involving discrimination or sexism or wokeism or something or other, and the fact that, again, the stock isn't going anywhere. People have lost confidence in Activision's management. It's not going to survive very long as an independent company. So blocking this particular purchase by Microsoft will not keep Activision Blizzard independent. The company will just continue its slide until somebody else moves to purchase it, maybe even Sony. Maybe a Chinese company like Tencent, who have been gobbling up American companies for quite a few years. I understand Sony's position. They don't care too much who has Activision Blizzard as long as it's not their one real competitor in the console market. But the United States FTC is pushing for a result that penalizes an American company and sets the stage for another American company to be bought by overseas interests. How is that for serving the American people? From the Electrify All the Things department, this story comes from Italy. An aircraft manufacturer named Technum have announced that they will be abandoning plans for an all-electric airplane known as the P-Volt. Uh, the airplane was to be a propeller-driven nine-passenger airplane the propellers being powered by electric motors, the electric motors being supplied by an onboard electric vehicle battery. It is the airplane version of an all-electric car, and they're dropping the product. The reason given is that the battery packs would only last a few hundred flights before wearing out and needing to be replaced. The drain requirements for keeping a metal box and heavy battery up in the sky are extreme, Combined with the need for quick charges so that the plane won't be grounded for days each time you land, um, the battery packs, well, quick charge functionality wears out batteries even faster than slow charge. So the problem is that the battery packs are wearing out and the plane was simply burning up $50,000 battery packs far too fast to make the whole thing economical. One quote from the story at present, Technum believes that these can only be achieved by an extremely uh, by extremely aggressive speculation on uncertain technology developments. 
And that in itself is the problem with electric vehicles. Yes, I did bring this story as a thinly veiled excuse to rant about electric cars once again, because it's been days since I've done that and they still annoy me. Uh, Techno believes these can only be achieved by extremely aggressive speculation on uncertain technology developments. What they're saying is that humanity does not have the technology necessary to make electric vehicles possible in the air. Um, theoretically it's possible in cars, but I'm not even convinced that's true. It's the hilarious thing about this massive push being driven by, uh, leftists, progressives, people who buy into climate change and especially activist politicians push to make everything into electric is that electric cars have been done before. When the automobile was first being developed a hundred years ago, it was the most natural thing in the world to try to use electricity. Electricity was this new magical technology that was causing all kinds of things to just work. Amazing. Electric motors uh, were a natural fit. They're certainly simpler than this really crazy complex block of metal that has explosions going on in it that are timed. Um, it's simpler than that. And safer too, as long as you stay away from the sparky bits on the engine and don't let the magic smoke out. But the problem back then, as it is today, is energy density and storage. Okay, quick physics lesson. Energy density is a measure of energy per kilogram of mass used to store that energy. Energy density is critical to a vehicle because in addition to having to store enough energy to move a vehicle in payload, you also need enough energy to move your energy storage around which means you have to store more energy, which means you need more mass to store that energy, which means that you need to store even more energy to store that mass and so on. This is what's known in mathematics as exponential growth. Electric batteries are complicated and heavy. They charge slowly. They have heat problems. They are extremely expensive to replace and they have a very low energy density relative to other options, which means it takes a lot of mass to store a given amount of energy. Hence why electric vehicles on the road today tend to be much heavier than their combustion engine counterparts. And by the way, much thus much worse on the roadways, a fact that's seldom reflected when road maintenance is paid for by a gasoline tax. Low energy density coincidentally was the second major complaint from Technum. Current EV batteries simply cannot store enough energy to keep both the plane and the batteries up in the air for as long as is needed over and over again. For reference, just keep this number in mind, the energy density of a brand new EV battery, one that has just been installed and never had a full cycle, is around 300 watt hours per kilogram of weight. After 100 or so test flights, the Technum battery's capacity was down to about 170, which is a little more than half of that. This, by the way, if you've ever owned an electric vehicle or if you do own one now, probably you're kind of looking at this going, yeah, that makes sense. I've had my electric vehicle for five years now and it only has half the range it used to. That is the way that batteries track. Well, a hundred years ago, automakers stumbled onto another fuel source that is easy to work with, simple to store because a metal tank will do it and has an extremely high energy density. Storing chemical energy in combustible liquid fuel is so much more efficient than trying to store electricity in a mobile battery that the entire industry moved to it almost as soon as it was discovered. Uh, gasoline or, you know, by extension, jet fuel has 12 to 13,000 watt hours per kilogram of fuel. Now, if you remember a few minutes ago or a minute ago, 
I gave you the number for EV battery, 300 watt hours per kilogram of battery versus 12,000 watt hours per kilogram of gasoline fuel. That's more than 40 times the energy density of an EV battery pack. And as a bonus, a metal gas tank doesn't just wear out, at least not in the lifetime of a car. It's easy to overlook today how much of a breakthrough the combustion engine was because we're all used to it by now. It seems so humdrum. Oh, you know, everybody has a car. Our society is conditioned to always believe that newer is superior because, hey, superior technology, we got to be doing it better. So now we're dedicating huge sections of our economy to try to resolve a solved problem simply because the problem was solved so long ago. And in our collective technological hubris, we just assume they had to have got it wrong. After all, how advanced could they possibly have been back then? They didn't even have iPads or social media. From the living on the dangerous edge department. For those of you who still use Microsoft Edge, you may be excited to learn about a new feature in the browser. All we know about the feature comes from a new settings entry in the latest Canary builds. The settings entry says enhance images in Microsoft Edge. Use super resolution to improve clarity, sharpness, lighting, and contrast images or contrast of images on the web. Enabled by default in the latest Canary builds of Edge, by the way. If you're even the least bit privacy minded or you've been paying attention to the last 65 episodes of this podcast, then alarm bells are going off in your head right now. Microsoft doesn't say how this feature works per se, but if you read between the lines, Edge is sending the URLs of images that you view online to a Microsoft cloud server. The cloud server is throwing some machine learning or um, I mean AI at it, and then it's sending you back a sharpened version of the image. Which sounds fantastic, except for that first part where every image on every page you visit is potentially being sent to Microsoft. According to a privacy paper published on Edge, which, by the way, uh, thanks PC Mag for digging this one up. This wasn't easy to find. Uh, to provide a better browsing experience, Microsoft Edge offers image enhancement by improving color, lighting, contrast, and sharpness of images. When image enhancement is turned on, Microsoft Edge encrypts and transmits image URLs to Microsoft servers to perform image enhancement. No user identifiers are included in the request to the servers. The image URL and enhanced image are cached for seven days to solely to improve performance. So if you two fell asleep by listening to a Microsoft white paper, uh, the three important bits are uh, when they send it, they say they uh, encrypt it. So only Microsoft can read it. I mean, obviously they have to unencrypt on the other side. Um, they say that they strip it of user identifiers. I know Microsoft works hard to do that. They don't always succeed. Um, and that they say that they delete it after seven days. Now, to be fair to Microsoft, this sounds pretty benign. And it also sounds like they genuinely want to make the browsing experience better, turning your blurry, low-resolution porn into full-color, sharp, high-contrast porn. I'm willing to give Microsoft the benefit of the doubt here. I've been on the other side with these features, and I honestly believe the engineers behind this one probably don't have any nefarious intent to steal all of your browsing data, and honestly, who wants to store all of those images anyway? Um, some of them are interesting, but most of them are are just static page corners from somebody who just learned how to use React. Hanlon's Razor says, never to attribute to malice what can be adequately explained by incompetence. And the Edge team certainly has plenty of that when it comes to privacy. For example, back in April, when they introduced a Twitter-esque follow feature for influencers uh, in your in the browser, uh, which, by the way, was also on by default, 
they had a bug that resulted in, oh, every URL you visited being sent to the Bing API servers. Uh, that one was fixed in the next release update, but it's not the engineers in these big corporations who concern me. Once the software starts sending this kind of data back to the mothership, it is oh so easy for some middle manager angling for a promotion to look at the wealth of data that can be collected and get dollar signs in their eyes, thinking that, oh, if I can only bring in an extra million a year worth of personal user data, I can get the higher ups to notice me. If that hypothetical manager comes along and makes the change, then we as users of the software will have absolutely no way to know about it. They could take all of this data that the company promised to keep for only seven days and instead sell it to advertisers or the government. And there wouldn't be so much as a PC mag article telling us about it. Of course, most people using edge will have no idea this is even happening since new features like this simply arrive obfuscated in a big batch of automatic updates turned on by default. Anyone who isn't reading PC mag or listening to this show will probably have no idea that edge even does this. For those edge users who do listen to this show, why are you still doing it? But for those edge users still listen to this show to turn the feature off, go into settings, privacy, search and services, and then scroll down to enhance images in Microsoft edge, which is currently visible in the canary builds. Probably not yet the current build of windows 11, but once you turn off the little checkbox you find there, this potentially well-meaning, but poorly thought out feature will stop leaking your private photos to Microsoft at least as far as you know. Angry thanks go to Baron Spud the Mighty, Robert Dolland, Curtis Peterson, and Rachel Zimmerman for their fiat support of Angry Tech News, as well as Joel W, uh, MRMR, I'm just going to say Mr. Mr., I like that better, who says boost until you bleed, and NetNed, who says summer sats Saturday boost. Uh, for boosting Satoshi's using a new podcast app at podcastapps.com. Angry Tech News is produced on the value for value model. We don't take sponsors. We don't play ads and we do not charge you to listen, but we're funded by your donations. So if you received some value from listening to this show, please send some value back. Go to angrytechnews.com and click on the donate button and send what you thought this episode was worth to you, whether it's $5, $35 or the complete cost of a replacement airplane battery. That's it for now. I'm Ryan Bemrose, the angry programmer with a mic. I'll be back next week with more Angry Tech News. This has been Angry Tech News with the angry programmer Ryan Bemrose at angrytechnews.com. Stay angry. Stay angry. Stay 